Live from Mott's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie, this is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, it is Kenny and Heilprin, Ben Kenny, Zach Heilprin, and former Wisconsin offensive lineman Bill Nate along with us today after a week of passioned dialogue, to say the least, online, on the air, everywhere, after Ohio State 52, Wisconsin 21 last Saturday. Uh, so Zach and I spent Tuesday talking about this game, Bill. I wanted to start with you. I don't know what the question is, but overall thoughts from whatever that was last weekend. Ohio State is really good. <laughs> and the gap just continues to get larger and larger with how good of a job they're doing with the athletes that they bring in. And everybody knew the odds were stacked against Wisconsin going in to the shoe, night game, prime time, and it couldn't have started off worse right and it's it's hard enough to compete with the team with that talent but night game everything's stacked up against you and you see wisconsin team trying to play from behind on the road it's just tough just tough ben said he thought the game was over as soon as graham Mertz threw the interception i kind of thought it was over after the first drive when did you know it was over it was the interception okay it just still, felt you that still way. had a chance to drive the ball down, at least get from a field position, maybe a field goal, put some some type of points on the board. But that was or that keep was Ohio it. State on the sideline for a couple minutes right. while we all regroup from whatever that was. And by we all, I mean the team, yeah. not me, obviously. It was a quick drive, but I mean the defense would have been right back out there. Yeah. Another six, seven, eight plays. That's yeah, it catches up to you. I will say it was a game for me, though, after it got bad, 28 to nothing. Then Wisconsin finally crosses midfield. They score the touchdown. My first thought was, you know, if they could get a stop here, and then they score again, and then halftime hits, and they get the ball back. I was trying to talk myself into it. But then every time, every time they got to a third down, or every time you felt like Wisconsin was in a good position, Ohio State came up with the play. Or Wisconsin missed one at that to try to swing momentum a little bit. So I'm with you. I mean, when you look at losses that are that bad across the board, and I know you played offensive line and you weren't on defense, but how do you, like, what can you learn from that? Or how do you take it into the next week aside from putting it behind you? Well, it's never as bad and it's never as good. It's somewhere in the middle, right? There are a lot of things that happened, a lot of big plays to where you really have to go back and look at the tape and try to find the good things from it. <laughs> Yuck. Because there were a few good plays in the second half. They started settling in. But the reality was the game plan that they had offensively going into it. You saw, you know, Braylon with the Wildcat, them trying to get that going. But when you're down 14 zip, like, what do you do at that point? Everything you worked for, all the, the game plan, the time you put in from a preparation standpoint, it just goes out the window, right? So it's one of those where it just compounds and you find yourself trying to play hero ball and make the big plays and you never really settle in it's kind of funny that you say play hero ball and that type of thing because i feel like that's what the defense was trying to do um and that's what jim leonard said now again i don't think it would have mattered they could have played their scheme they could have done everything correctly and it still probably wouldn't matter just because that's how good ohio state is 
but it was guys out of position. It was guys lined up out of position and then trying to make plays that weren't their plays to make. It was guys not getting off blocks. It was guys, um, you know, one, one person's playing zone, the other one's playing man, like not getting enough drop on your or enough depth on your drop as a linebacker and the ball's just going right over your head. Like there were, it was just like one thing after another. It was just like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah, and, and when and that comes from big eyes, when that comes from Jimmy, you know that if they're beating themselves, not going to have a chance against a team like Ohio no. State. Period. A lot, of, and again, it's a lot of inexperience, right? On that defense in a big game on the road for the first time, most of those guys playing in a road environment for the first time. That we always think about its offense, right? The offense having to deal with the crowd noise. I think it's the defense having to deal with the expectations and the pressure that's on you that Ohio State puts on you. I mean, they saw the three best receivers they're probably going to see all year in one game. Yes. Even with the top guy out yeah. on that team. I mean, they, they are stacked. Yeah. So they're, they're a different Ohio State than they were when you were in school. I agree. Like, Jim Trussell won six Big Ten titles in ten years at Ohio State, won a national championship, and yet the worst thing to ever happen to the rest of the Big Ten was that tattoo thing because Jim Trussell was gone, Urban Meyer comes in, and it just hasn't been the same, and Ryan Day has kept it at that level. Isn't that sad to think about that he lost his job over for the tattoo? tattoos well, I mean, in the landscape of what college football is now? Well, I mean, it's it's, it's hor- sad to think about. I mean, it's it's horrible to think about if you're a Wisconsin football fan for sure, um, and if you're an Ohio, if you're an Ohio State fan, it's a blessing in disguise. But for a guy who was, I think a lot of people thought like that teacher sweater vest, like all prim and proper, doing everything right. It kind of put a hit to his legacy that would not have been anything at this you know if it had happened now it wouldn't have mattered. so stroud threw the second touchdown pass and i tweeted out i miss jt barrett because my last uh, memory of an ohio state quarterback that felt really beatable was him even though wisconsin got close but didn't do it zach immediately responded he said no you miss jim trestle i think that's a fair point it's they're on a different level i also think they haven't beaten them since jim trestle was the coach yeah Last time I beat him was 2010. I think a lot has changed since then. Yeah, yeah, college. Yeah, a lot. We even now. I'm from, saying even the program has changed since then. The Wisconsin program yes. has changed a lot yeah. since then. Yeah, I also think I have underrated Ryan Day as a play caller. Where they obviously the talent is just ridiculous, but every single thing they did worked. And part of that is just from the start, Wisconsin was playing from behind and not nothing on defense was working. But I also think Ryan Day. And the game plan had a lot to do with that. Where early, like as soon as they started to hit on plays, everything else opened up. I don't know. I always thought it was just the talent and everything. It all just works because of that. I think he's a much better play caller than at least I thought. I just think about Harbaugh saying, it's easy when you're born on third base. (laughs) When you got Urban Meyer's whole recruiting class, everything. And he's done a phenomenal job taking the program and keeping it going. But, uh, yeah, this isn't an Ohio State show, but. That always yeah. cracks me up. <laughs> it is funny, especially uh, given the position Michigan uh, was in at the time. I don't know. I, I think Michigan's undefeated entering that game this year, but we shall see. I guess when we look forward this season for the Badgers, I'm confident the offense, uh, offensive line specifically rounds into form when the tackles get back. Like They need some type of consistency up there. I feel okay about the offense against a not-Ohio State defense when you're not playing from 28 points behind early in the game defensively though are there real concerns coming out of that game or was it just uh, everything went wrong and you put it aside you move forward are, are there real concerns you have about the unit 
It's a different defense. There's a lot of new faces. But I don't have concerns when you start looking at some of the offenses that they're going to be going against. Nobody scares me. I mean, Minnesota's playing well right now, but I think everybody on, on the schedule is more than beatable. Uh, Ohio State is just that good. And I, I think the other thing, too, and I didn't realize that Nelson didn't even make the trip. He was he, uh, yeah, he was sick. He was he had a, he had an illness last week. Uh, didn't practice all week. They knew Thursday that he wasn't going to be able to go. My understanding is they took his gear just in case, like he was able to make like a late trip, but unable to go. And um, obviously unfortunate because it forces Logan Brown back into his position that he couldn't crack the last couple of years. You know, despite them having issues at left tackle, um, you know, forcing him back over there after not practicing there pretty much the entirety of. That's a the tough. Last year. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, really a tough, tough position thing. to be put in, and I, yeah, people haven't talked about that enough because I think Nelson he's he's a leader on that in that unit. One of the better and, pass blockers uh, in the country. Yeah, at that spot, it's tough. But Trey Wedig, I, I was talking to somebody before the game, and on the field that sees them all the time, and said he didn't think it was that big of a drop off between Ryan Allman to Trey Wedig. And what Trey did last week was actually pretty impressive. And I wonder, I, I wonder if he may be able to fight for that, that starting job when Riley is healthy. I mean, obviously, Riley got in there, and Trey Wedig was not even involved in that battle at all. It was, it was Riley and Brown. But it sounds like, you know, the way that Trey played last week may, may give them an opportunity. Or maybe he ends up back inside. I don't know. We'll see. But Pro Football Focus loves him. Yeah. is at the top of take it with whatever grain of salt you want. But Pro Football Focus loves Trey Wedding from the limited time they've seen him. Well, if you want to take a positive from the game, it gives you depth. You know, yeah. it puts a guy in a position yeah. that maybe he wouldn't have been prior, and you continue to get better, right? You move forward from it. So you go from, as an offensive lineman, you go from a defense like that and a front like that that played really well on the Ohio State side to an Illinois front where they're going to, it's a Brett Bielema team where you kinda, you're kind of facing a carbon copy of Wisconsin or at least his plan there. I, does that change maybe how you as the offensive line approach it? Like going into next week, how does the offensive line move forward with the guys coming back and right the ship up there? Is it just a consistency thing? Is it establishing the run early and that kind of deal? Well, I think there, there's two different things. Obviously, there's going to be the game plan piece which the coaches are going to take care of, but they're going to approach the week the same as they always do. And that's the good thing with Bob Bostad and the coaching staff. Nothing is going to change from that standpoint. Illinois, they know the Wisconsin offense almost better than anybody. Bielema understands that. Kevin Kane understands that. They, they get it. So they're going to have their, their challenges with it. But I think it's just going to be one of those line it up and play. Yeah. It's going to be that type of uh, a Big Ten game. Which honestly might be a good thing, given some I of the so minor too. struggles. I think it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited. We'll get to Illinois coming up after the break, and obviously uh, Brett Bielema and that storyline going on. We are live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. That is Zach Heilprin. That is Bill Nagy. I am Ben Kenny. Game day specials. This is the place to come to watch football all weekend. Happy hour, Sunday to Friday, 3 to 7 o'clock. You got drink deals going on, appetizer deals. Come on by. We are live here until 6, 5 to 6 every Thursday. We're talking Illinois. We're turning the page a bit 
if you will. Wisconsin hosting the Illini coming up on Saturday. More Kenny and Halprin coming up next. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, we are back. It is Kenny and Heilprin live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Zach Heilprin, Bill Nagy alongside the Badgers 2-2, two and 0-1 two, in Big Ten play. I expected to do this show on this Thursday, entering Illinois game coming to town with the thought that Paul Christ had a chance to surpass Brett Bielema in career wins on the Wisconsin all-time total. Instead, given the loss to Washington State, Paul Christ has a chance to tie Bielema when he comes to town. Zach, you've talked a lot about this. You think this game means a lot. It means everything to Brett Bielema. I, I mean, I, his, his words will say this is about Wisconsin versus Illinois. And his words have said that. His actions suggest otherwise, just the way that he dealt with the schedule and trying to get them a game before. Like when the schedule was supposed to have them in week one, he had a week zero game. And then when they got moved to when it is now, he moved their game from Saturday to a Thursday to be able to have like an extra few days. We were talking about that off the air a little bit. How big of an advantage do you think that is, Bill, for them to have the ability to, as you called it, a mini bye week? Yeah, I think the mini bye week is almost more beneficial than the whole bye week. Okay. Because you don't completely rest get out of versus the... versus rust. Yeah. The old... It's a good yeah. balance. It's not too much rust, but it's enough to where you get a day or two from a game planning standpoint. You get more comfortable with it. You get to relax a little bit, but then you get right right into a game week. Yeah. So I think that's uh, that's like the perfect window right. for a bye. Yeah. So he is he's obsessed with this game in my mind. Um, I could see it. Which I don't necessarily, I mean, I get it because he's got Do an you ego. you think so? Obsessed? Yes. You don't think so? I mean, you played for the dude. I, I, I did not. I only uh, got called into his office and, and got and got reamed out one time. And, <laughs> and then blocked uh, and, on and Twitter. And currently blocked on Twitter and haven't been able to get unblocked, <laughs> even though I asked him to. Um, so I have no, I, you, you have day-to-day knowledge of him. You don't think he's got an ego enough that he desperately wants to win this game? All coaches, all players, there's an ego part that comes to it. I don't know if he's obsessed with it. I think it's really important to him. I think it's important to the momentum that he's trying to get going at Illinois. Yeah. I think that's... Be a huge win. I think that is more where he's at. Okay. Oh, right. yeah. Because like, it's not like there's any revenge to get here, right? Because he didn't, Wisconsin didn't do anything to him. He left Wisconsin. It wasn't, it wasn't the other way around. So there's not there's any revenge here, but you're right. I think it is important to be able to keep that momentum going. If he wins seven games for the next three, four years, if you're an Illinois fan, you've got to be thrilled with that. Yeah. Uh, and then continues to build it to get to a point where you could have a, a good year here or there. Right. So you, I, your first year was 2006, right? So your first year was Brett Bielema's first year. Were you recruited by Brett? So he it was a mix. So okay. it was him and Palermo. both staffs. Not Palermo. Uh, uh, him and Huber. Uh, Huber. Yeah. So it was Alvarez, and then the staff with Huber, and then it was. They did a really good job with it. Just saying, hey, this is going to be the plan moving forward. This is going to be the staff, and I think it was an easy transition because of that. So did that, you come to? Did you come to Wisconsin because of Brett Bielema to an extent? I wouldn't say it was because of Bielema. Okay. But you liked him as a coach. You enjoyed playing for him. Yeah, he was a great coach. And the one thing I'll say that I think he 
still to this day does a very good job with is he doesn't micromanage his staff. Yeah. He lets the assistants coach. He puts the time on the front end to make sure that he has the right individuals so he doesn't have to look over their shoulder. He gives them the keys, and I think that was why he was so successful at Wisconsin. And the SEC is a completely different animal. That's, that's tough to get a program going there. But I think that's why he was so successful. So what is the juice like among the former Brett Bielema players that are maybe around Madison or still talk about the Badger program with this game coming up? Everybody has a lot of respect for Brett, right? At the end of the day, he was a really good coach. He was a solid leader for the program for a long time. You know, taken outside of all the the personal stuff that guys have, I think there's a respect for him. There's certainly a respect there. But is there a lot more excitement than a normal Illinois game? Just in terms of... Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that the guys that were still around in 2012, the way that all played out, do you think they still have the same respect for him that, that maybe you did just because you left? I mean, you weren't there, right? I mean, you obviously knew, knew about it and, and know how it all played out, but do you think that because of how it played out, there are some that maybe don't look at it like you do? I could see that for sure. And I wasn't in that locker room, and I don't know the exact circumstance or what was communicated. or, But it's a business decision at the end of the day. He made a decision that was right for him and his family, and however that happens, sometimes it's not going to be as perfect or there's no easy way to break up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I could see where some guys may have felt like, you know, he didn't finish the season or he left him high and dry or whatever the case is, but – that's how it goes, man. Yeah. Look at Brian Kelly on how all that stuff went down. Yeah, I like, don't, guys, they won't even have a discussion with the former team. They're out. Right. It's a right. business now. Yeah, yeah. At least, at least Bielma did that, right? Like he gave him, get, get everybody there in, the, in a meeting room, give them an option. They can go out the front, they can go out the back, whichever they want, whatever it is. Um, for this game, though, do you expect him to get – a positive reception at the stadium? Or what kind of reception are you expecting? I think it's going to be mixed. Okay. I think there's going to be some... What do you think it should be? You're not going to tell people what to do, I know. But, like, in your mind, what would you prefer? I think it should be positive. Okay. But the reality is, is the negative piece, like, people get off on that. <laughs> That's just what it is. As is the case in many lines of That's life. That's just what it is. People like that. People want to boo. They want the attention. They want to make it, you know, they want to make the news. Brett Bielma coming back to town and everybody cheering. That's not going to No. That's not going to be in the headlines. So I will say I can definitely confidently say that all of the students don't know the first thing or at least almost all the students don't understand the first thing about what had gone on. Like, even I wasn't in Madison or Wisconsin during that time. I was a big college football fan. I saw it happen, but I wasn't here, and I didn't obviously have any understanding of the sense from both sides of how it went down. I can confidently say the students have pretty much no idea and might be indifferent when it comes to it. The players don't, for the most part, know Brett Beal. I asked Braylon Allen, for some reason, reporters were asking players this week about what kind of reception they were expecting Brett Bielma to get, and then and Graham Mertz is like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, what do yeah. you like? And Braylon Allen's like, uh, was asked about like the outside noise. Is it having an impact in the locker room? And he's like, I haven't heard anything about it, so no. <laughs> yeah. And then it was like, did you know that he was the coach here at one point? 
No. Yeah. <laughs> even though, like, even though, like, you know, in, like the the camp in the um, there's a, a walkway on the east side of the stadium um, where there's like this whole line of thing, like the history of the program is like up and down, up and down there, and, and there's a huge thing of Brett Bielma like right there, and it says one and zero, and like his whole, you know whole one and zero mantra stuff. They walk by it every day. Every day. And yet, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to them whatsoever. And I'm sure to probably about 60, for like probably like half the crowd would be like, yeah, I don't really care. Well, it's an 11 o'clock game. Students. <laughs> Start of it. After what half happened last week. the students are still going to be sleeping or right. yeah, out having fun. Well, there's so also a big sense, I can say, from my friends I had gone to school with, many that don't follow the program closely and don't follow the day-to-day, and some that even love the team but maybe only check in for the big games and don't follow that closely, they, they're kind of checked out of this season until it turns around. And I, could, I would assume that would happen with some of the students as well. well what do they expect? I, I don't know. That's just what the You know what I'm text, saying? So that, that's where it's like, well, did you expect this team to go to Columbus and win, and I understand the Washington State game, but being realistic, I think people expect them to go and compete. I, I, I agree I, with that. I personally did not, but that's just because I know well, who Ohio I State is. But like some people are like, Wisconsin's been right there against Ohio State in 2017 and 2019, and be like, well, no, they they had good games, but they still lost. They lost by 13 in the title game. They lost by 31 last time we went to Columbus. It's not like they've been right like so close to them when they go down to Columbus. They just got I've, the yeah. fact that they just got blown out and the game was over within the first 13 minutes. That I think is why people may have checked well, out a little. I was a part of games where Penn State came and it was a primetime. I think it was 2007, 2008. 2008 is the, the week after Terrell Pryor came in here and, and beat you guys. Yeah. Late. Oh, it was 45 to 7. We got absolutely smoked. Yeah. Right, you turn it around and it's just I understand the expectations, and people wanted it to be a little bit more of a competitive game, but that's not where we're at. There's still a lot of football left. They could still see Ohio State again in the championship. I, I just think the conversation around this would be so much different if the Washington State game hadn't happened. Like For It's sure. one thing to deal with the Ohio State game, but it's when it's coming two weeks after that disaster of Washington State it gets people a little bit more riled up. And the people are already riled up over the last two years where you don't go to the Big Ten title game. And so you get uh, fire Paul Chris. Like, that, that's, that's what this week has been about. And yeah. replace, replace him. Like, that, that's do what something. the conversation is. is do, what some, do something. Do anything. You can't keep on with this status quo. And it's just like, that's Ohio State, man. And I, I get, like, Ohio State's at a different level. And they're always going to be at a different level. Wisconsin's never going to be at that level. But it's like can they a, a, a little bit higher than they are right now. You maybe you can disagree with me here, but 2019, where they were at 2019, where they're at right now, there's been a decline. I don't I don't know how you can't sit. It's it's tough to sit here and say that there's not. Now that doesn't mean it can't go right back up. It it doesn't. It's just that's where they're at at this moment, and so that's where people are coming from. I completely don't agree with them, but that's kind of where I think a lot of people are. It's a young team. It is a lot. This is a very young team. A lot of people think it's going to be next year is when they have like a great year, but it's tough right now. That's been the program. It's about developments. There's yep. still a lot of really young players stepping into roles for the first time. The offensive line's young. I mean, you got an 18 year old star running back still. A lot of new starters on defense. 
you got to give these guys a chance. Yeah, no doubt. I guess here's good news. Speak positively about this. Last year, they go 1-3 and three to start the season. Penn State lost, then they beat Eastern Michigan. They lose to Notre Dame. They lose to Michigan. Then they go and visit Illinois, and that's where everything got going. Braylon Allen enters the scene. They win 24 to nothing. This year, different setting than last, given the losses and how they happened and where the team stands. But Illinois comes into town. You have Big Ten play where it's all winnable games, though they all also are all losable games. Like, there is a pessimistic way to look at it. Uh, but Illinois comes to town. I guess this is kind of a perfect way to turn it around if you ever were going to. Absolutely. Right? And this is a great opportunity to start getting things back going in the right direction. It's a solid it Illinois team. And we'll get into it more coming up next. What? You're smiling. I'm just saying, uh, no, I've, I've been accused of pessimism the last few weeks, so I'm not going to say what I'm going to – nope, not going to say it. We're good. What are you going to say? What if they lose? I will say we had conversations on the day radio show I work on of what happens if Brett Bielema comes into Madison and wins. I'm not, not going to say – not, not a conversation we're going to have tonight because – Haven't even thought about it. Nope. It's, uh, we're not being pessimistic tonight. Seven-point spread. Uh, we'll see. I'm excited for the contest. When we come back, I do want to get one. Your best Brett Bielema story from your time playing that is air safe, if you will, and that is fine for public consumption. And then we will also get into the Illinois team Wisconsin will face and what, what are the keys, what Saturday will look like when the two teams take the field. That is Bill Nagy. That is Zach Heilprin. We are live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Happy hour until 7 o'clock Sunday to Friday. Game day specials on Saturdays and Sundays. Drink deals, appetizer deals. Come on by. Locations across the state as well as great one here in Sun Prairie. When we return, we preview Wisconsin, Illinois, as well as much more. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, we are back. It is Kenny and Heilprin live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin versus Illinois on Saturday. The Illini enter with Mr. Brett Bielema. We're going to get a story coming up here in a minute or two. Illinois is 3-1 on the season. They have beaten Wyoming, Virginia, and Chattanooga. They lost to Indiana in a weird one a couple Fridays ago. Turnovers, they shot themselves in the face, and then the refs turned around a touchdown that probably would have won them the game. They are led, as many Badger fans, I'm sure, remember. Running back Chase Brown is their workhorse on offense. A bunch of talent in the secondary. I mean, it's a Brett Bielema team. So this is a true test, and I guess this is what makes me the most excited about this game is that unlike last week or Washington State, where those are teams that are different than the Badgers, the defense especially is going to be asked to do things that they wouldn't need to do as much in the West. The fact you have a carbon copy team coming into town where you just have to do what you do but better than them makes me more excited for how this game is going to play out in terms of what we can learn and also how much better the team can play. I think the mentalities. I think the mentalities are the same, but they don't go about it the same way. I mean, they want to be physical, right? Like that's that's what Brett Bielma is. He wants to be physical, but like that offense is a lot of a lot of RPO stuff. Yeah, a lot of a yeah. lot of get your eyes in the wrong place. And Wisconsin's can be at times too with all the motion and that type of thing. Get you try and get the lined up, like. But 
it's 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 a little bit different. They're not they're not exactly the same teams because they just go about it differently. But the mentality of the coaches and how who they want to be are very similar. Yeah, I think a, Illinois is a year or two off from really being where they want from an identity standpoint of trying to be a Wisconsin brand type team. They have a ways to go, but they have a great staff and. You know most. You know a lot of those guys, right? I mean, Aaron I Henry, Terrence Jameson. Yeah. Um, oh, I forgot he brought back a lot of the Wisconsin guys he was yeah. with. Kevin Kane is the D coordinator. Yep. Which, what, who, a name I did not know until our guy RJ told me about it today. He was a GA on yeah. Wisconsin staff. I'm assuming back when you were there. Yeah, he was there when I was playing. He went on. He was with Northern Illinois for a while. He was with Dave Dorn. He went with Dorn. Yeah. So he he understands it. Yeah. So aside from the obvious of not committing penalties along the offensive line, but establishing the ground game, playing from ahead, the defense, tackling, being sure on assignments. What do you think the key is for Wisconsin to avoid an upset? Turnovers. Just taking care of the ball. Yeah. If they take care of the ball, they'll win. I think it's, I think it's stopping the run. Uh, we have seen at times uh, some struggle in, in, the, in that. Um, Washington State. Didn't have a ton of success. New Mexico State did a little bit. Star Thomas, because they were able to break tackles, and we obviously saw what Ohio State did. I, are you concerned at all at the tackling? I mean, I it, it felt it felt like it was something we saw against Washington State. Saw it a little bit against New Mexico State. You're wondering, is it going to carry over to Ohio State? It did, um, and it was it was ugly. And we know Chase Brown is as tough a runner as there is in the Big Ten, breaking a ton of tackles. We're not going to go down easy. This, I think, that could be a, a huge decider for him. Yeah, it's the defense practice, practices against a completely different offense every single day when they go good versus good, ones versus ones internally. There's not a lot of spread it out, open field tackling, one-on-one stuff that you saw with Washington State, Ohio State. And that's something that just with how practices run and the tackling and, and all that stuff, that's something that you have to – kind of learn on the fly a little bit, and they don't see that every day in practice. Yeah. So is that something you think will come around as soon as this week, as Big Ten play gets going, or is it maybe something that takes a little more time? I would hope, one day I would hope sooner than later, but that's a reality, yeah. right? Like when they're you know, loading the box and they have eight guys in there and it's tackling in a crowd of people versus we're going to go empty – and it's going to be a one-on-one tackle on the edge. Completely different. Yeah, and I feel good about Herbig and the guys up front there. I said entering last weekend's game, a lot of it to me was about what the inside linebackers could do against Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson. And obviously, the unit as a whole struggled, and I would say the inside linebackers did as well to contain that ground game. That's how this game shapes out to me as well, where they're two new guys, two inexperienced guys, if they can come out and have their best games of the season and start to turn it around from that center of the defense, I think everything else will start to work as well. Because I'm confident in the guys up front, Keanu Benton and Herbig and those rushing the quarterback, it's that next level. Yeah, I don't think we've talked enough about the inexperience of those inside backers. You know, everybody's like, are you concerned with the defense? They're replacing two NFL starter caliber type guys. Yeah. That's hard to do. Well, we're so used to plugging and playing and great and plugging, playing and ex, and getting great production and and play out of guys, right? Like it's go all the way back to 
to Mike Taylor in, in, in Borland all the way through, all the way up to Sanborn and Chanel, it's been like a decade full of amazing inside linebackers that have gone on to play in the NFL and been, been fantastic. I think like you can only say like two starters ended up not getting a, a look in the NFL. That was like Derek Landish and Marcus Trotter. And, and Marcus Trotter's now a doctor, and Derek Landish didn't want to play uh, pro. He probably could have. Like that's, that's the type of talent that they've had at inside linebacker. Um, and I think those guys can be that, but they're both redshirt. I mean, I, they're just you know, young. Jordan, Jordan yeah. uh, uh, Turner's a redshirt freshman, and Muma Jongmeta has barely played at all in his time. Right. So it's a, it's a young group. Jim Leonard said earlier this week that he thought they'd done a great job, like, throughout uh, the first, like, three games. He actually thought that they'd played pretty well. But he admitted, obviously, Saturday was not their best, and they have to be better, and they can be, and they will be. It also felt like throughout the timeline you just mentioned with great inside backer play, there seemed to always be one guy already established, and then the young guy would come up and play next to him and maybe not have to be burdened with as much. And then the next year you would see that guy become the alpha in that room, if you will. And you could probably go back more specifically than I can, but in terms of my feeling and how that position is gone, like I, Leo Chanel came in and Sanborn was already the guy. Sanborn came up and you already had Chris Orr there, right? So. It was one of those where now you have two guys new there. I'm sure that doesn't help. Well, they've had so many great defenses in a row. When you look back from even when, you know, Dave Aranda was coaching. Yeah. And you got the top ten defenses and all that. Like, it's the standard has been set, but it's a tough standard to live up to. It really is. And it's still very early in the season. Some things haven't gone their way. But there's a ton of football left, and I think – it can only get better from here. There's a lot of better football to be played with those guys. Yeah, I mean, they were replaced eight starters, right, in their entire secondary, and now they're dealing without a couple of guys that would be starting in, in Hunter Wohler and in Alexander Smith, and Travion Blaylock was going to play a ton. So you're down. You're, I mean, that's, it's a lot to overcome, especially when you're replacing your entire secondary and, and then the guys that you're hoping to replace them with get hurt as well. It's, I mean, it's tough. Last week, though, it, a lot of it was just guys not getting off blocks not playing the, the way that they can. And based on the way Nick Herbig was talking, you're gonna, they've got a little bit of fire lit under their, under their butts. Um, there, there is some anger there, anger with people giving up on them, anger with uh, probably fans and the media uh, giving up on them. And uh, I, expect, I expect a really good performance, or at least I shouldn't say performance. I expect a really good effort. I don't know, necessarily know that means them coming out on top or them you know playing well, but... There won't be a lack of, uh, of energy, I think, from that defense on Saturday. I will say Tommy DeVito, while he isn't going to blow you away, he's better than they've had a quarterback in the past. He's better than Brandon Peters. Brandon there, NFL quarterback. Which, is he actually? He got time in the preseason. Jack Cohn got time in the preseason, but you don't call Jack Cohn an NFL quarterback. I, so, I call him undrafted free agent. So I would say Brandon Peters isn't an NFL quarterback either. Big Jack Cohn guy, though. Uh, one, one stat that is a positive entering, we talked a lot entering Ohio State, the Wisconsin defense getting to third down. They haven't done it enough throughout the first four games this season. They rank towards the bottom in the nation at holding an offense on first and second down. Illinois' offense, and maybe this is also a Bielema uh, strategy thing, they get to a lot of third downs as an offense. So that is something where they're not facing another Ohio State that can light it up on early downs. They are going to face more opportunities to get off the field. Uh, yes. Uh, I think we've talked enough strategy. I want, to, I want Brett Bielema stories. I need a Brett Bielema story. I got some here from RJ. Uh, he, he sent me a bunch. Um, RJ, can I read some of these? No? All right. 
So I can't read all the ones that he sent me, but Bill, do you have any? Do you have any for us? I've shared this one on um, with Ebo in the morning before. It's the bowl gift that we received, <laughs> and this is an absolute classic story. So, and I don't know what they do now. I don't know if they're bowl gifts or. I mean, guys are getting paid to play now. I don't think they, they care about a. They well, the they bowl. were in Vegas. They get, you, they, yeah. get, they get a suite. They get to like a gift suite. They get going. A gift suite. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, I think this was. My first or second year, and you had the Bielema, the one and O motto, everything. So he got us these leather jackets. <laughs> these like leather trench coat looking jackets that had a motion W and a one and O embroidered on the back. <laughs> and it was one of those where he got up and was so proud to show everybody. It's like, what do you guys think? <laughs> and everybody's just like looking around like are you kidding me like this is our bowl gift this year <laughs> with a velour jumpsuit that was one of his deals too was there anybody on the team that looked at it that said oh that's actually sweet i don't think so <laughs> I, I, I don't think there was one that yeah those were re-gifted and like sent back home to right dads and stuff who i always i always wonder what all those guys do with gear now a lot of me like you can like there's this thing called trunk something like where all these guys can sell their gear um, what did you do with your gear? Did you just wear it and then, like, as soon as it was done, you just threw it away? Like, once you got some bowl Same stuff? like the issued gear? Yeah. The freshman tuxedos? Yes. You were, you wear those around campus. Yeah. I had a, I had a buddy. I had a buddy that was a, a walk-on, and yeah. he wore his number 136 or yeah, something like that. Yeah, the issue number on yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, everywhere he went. And uh, actually, a buddy wore it to a – he dressed up as – I had a buddy that dressed up as the football player and just wore his, like, his – Entire, as you call it, freshman tuxedo. Yeah. You wear that out to the bars. For Halloween. For Halloween. I've seen it. For for (laughs) Halloween. He wore it for Halloween. Beer everywhere on it. And had to be, and the next morning had to be, uh, and my guy's like, my buddy's putting it on the next morning, and he's just stinking alcohol and beer and had to go go work out that that morning, like those 5 a.m. workouts that that they did. Is is Bielema much of a pregame speech guy? Not really. Not really. Not really. And I don't know if I just tuned that out. That was never really my thing. I don't I don't think guys at that level need the pregame pep talk. I think guys are already locked in. I think there's some guys that do a really, really good job of it. It's either you're really great at it or it's just whatever. Mm-hmm. There's not an in-between thing. Were you ever expecting him to trip at any point leading you guys out of the tunnel? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I forgot about that footage. He, he was, he's a leader out of the tunnel. Um, Paul Chris like jogs off to the like he doesn't he just walks off to the side and, yeah. and lets the team come out. But Bielma back in his early days and even I actually pretty much his entire time at Wisconsin. I don't know if he does it now. He might do it now, Couldn't but it probably does, probably doesn't do it the entire way. Um, but the uh, him leading him out like I was at some, at some point expecting just him to him to trip and. Do you think that you two, because that was him, right? You might it, have to get a head start if he leads him out. Okay. Is it, is it, <laughs> is it outdated? The coach leading the guys no, out? No, no, no. The song that Wisconsin comes out to. That the students are never there for. Oh, the U2 song? Yeah. Are you okay with it? You don't care. So if you ever, <laughs> so if you listen to what the player, like the player, you don't hear that as a player. Right. 
So I think it's more from a fan standpoint. Okay. All right. If the fans like it, no, cool. It if gets, not, I think it's it whatever it is. It still gets the juices flowing. Zach, is Illinois' athletic director going to be at the game, do you think? I, I don't know, but you, <laughs> should, you should go up and talk to him again and be like, sir, can I get Brett Bielma on the air? So we're at Big Ten Media Days at the end of our last show there, and Zach said you need to get Brett on or you will not be in the car on the way home. Like you will not be allowed back if we don't we get Brett. We drove down there. We were in Indianapolis. If we don't get Brett on the show. So I said, okay, I tried for the two days. Every time I saw him, I saw their SID, I would ask. And so it got to the end, and we were in the second-to-last segment of our show. And we were on break, and he's standing next to the Big Ten Network set. Zach says, right, go over. Like, try one more time. I said, you know what? Screw it. I would love to get home tonight. So I go over, and unknowingly, uh, I asked the guy next to him if we could have an interview with Brett Bielema for a couple minutes. And it was the Illinois athletic director. <laughs> uh, and he gave me a really weird look, pointed to the SID, and then we got him on. And I went back. Zach laughed at me. Deserved. I really didn't feel that bad about it or weird. It just happened. Josh Whitman. Yeah. I wouldn't and, feel bad about it. Well, he's no. very tall. He looks different than the SID. I'll say that much. You got the interview. That's yeah. all that matters. Yeah, mission accomplished. He still blocks Zach mission, on Twitter. Mission accomplished. Uh, that is Bill Nagy. That is Zach Heilprin. We are live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. When we return, locks for the weekend. Something happened last week that I will need to address, uh, given the record of my picks, but we'll get to that when we return. Monk's Bar and Grill, happy hour all week, drink deals. Come on by, place to watch the Brewers, who are apparently going to make the playoffs now, much to my chagrin. Place to watch the Badgers, the Packers, all of that. Uh, when we return. And a, uh, college football, excuse me, week five locks. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, welcome back. Final segment before we are out of here. It's Kenny and Heilprin, Bill Nagy along with us. Wisconsin minus seven at home against the Illini. We'll pick that game coming up in a second. So last week, uh, as we stand so far this year, Zach, after four weeks, I am 8-16 and 16 <laughs> after an 0-5 showing last week. I have Horrible. famously said I either want to be good enough for people to tail me and make money or bad enough for people to fade me and make money. So going 0-5, honestly, I'm kind of proud of myself. It's hard to go 0-5. Fade the hell out of Ben Kenny. I, I, would, I would advise it, which might actually it might change my pick on the game. Uh, so we'll get to that in a second. Zach is 13 and 11. He went two and three last week. This week, take it. Uh, an interesting slate in the Big Ten. One of them, Michigan, the Wolverines team I saw last weekend, is minus 11 at Iowa. An Iowa offense that is inept, but a tough place to play nevertheless. JJ McCarthy maybe isn't there yet. Some minor struggles against Maryland. 11 point spread. I'm going to take Michigan and pray they blow them out because if Iowa starts scoring, then I get concerned. I'm taking Iowa at home, that building, that defense. Um, I don't envision Michigan scoring too much, and you just like the Iowa defense forcing some turnovers. I'm taking I'm taking Iowa at home. I know it's that's a 11 11 at, yeah. at in in Kinnick Stadium. Big Bill, new kickoff. Bill. Well, fat. I mean, real, real is Kinnick Stadium the toughest place? It's a tough place to play. Fox noon kickoff. Come on, that's the biggest time slot of, of the year now. <laughs> I think Michigan. Yeah, all it's right. A top ten Michigan, top five Michigan team, right? Yes. In there? Top five. A big, big.
big matchup for Wisconsin's purposes. Purdue is at Minnesota. Minnesota is minus 12 and a half. Aiden O'Connell, the quarterback for Purdue, is a game-time decision. If he does not play, I think Minnesota blows them out. If he does play, I think Purdue keeps it close. And for Wisconsin's sake, I pray Purdue wins this game, given how Minnesota looks and what the rest of the games could mean. I'm going to take Purdue plus 12 and a half. It's at Minnesota. Yes. That's what I said, right? Yeah, you did. Bill was asking. I was I just, just going to make sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking Minnesota. Aiden, Aiden O'Connell or not. Interesting. Okay. Yep. I'm, uh, all, I'm all in on Minnesota now. P.J. Fleck, the greatest coach that's ever lived. Real quick before we he get. Should really, he should really go somewhere else. Real quick before. I Actually, I will say, if it goes down south with that team, I don't think his shtick will work. But when <laughs> it's going well, the shtick works, right? It's easy to buy in when you're winning. Real quick, Alabama minus 17 and a half at Arkansas. I'm taking Arkansas. Alabama's a juggernaut. The receivers are weird. Uh, no one's really stepped up there. I will say Jameer Gibbs, the running back, Alvin Kamara vibes early in the career, in the Alabama say, career. I'm going to take Arkansas as well. All right. Uh, and the second to last one, we asked Bill this earlier. New Mexico State, Wisconsin throttled them week one, uh, week three, excuse me, in Camp Randall. They're at home against FIU. They are. I'm going to throw up when I say this. 14 and a half. What? Point favorites. Insane. The New Mexico State Aggies. I don't know the first thing about FIU. I know they suck. I think I'll take New Mexico State. My Aggies. Make that win look more impressive. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. (laughs) I'm going to go with them as well. Uh, These are some big spreads we're asking teams to cover, but uh, or at least I'm asking to cover, but I'm going to take I'm going to take New Mexico State. Oh, I also forgot to note Washington State choked away a game against Oregon last weekend. They looked so good for three quarters and maybe 80 percent of the fourth and just frittered it away, which is sad. That win or the loss, excuse me, almost looked a lot better. Wisconsin against Illinois, seven point favorites. Bill, I'll start with you. A win, a cover. What do you see happening? I say Wisconsin by 17. Comfortable. Zach? I'm saying Wisconsin better cover. They better win. I don't want to see my uh, timeline next week if they don't. All right. This is where uh, Kenny, that has lost every pick he has looked at in the last three weeks, is going to come to play for the Badgers. I'm taking Illinois plus seven. Because if you fade me, the pick usually hits. That's what we call the reverse jinx. I'm all over Illinois this weekend. Give me them plus seven. And hopefully it's comfortable. That's going to do it for us, Bill. Thank you for joining us as well, Zach. I will see you on Tuesday. Everybody, enjoy the game. Go Badgers. Man, Illinois cannot win this game. See you on Tuesday. Kenny and Heilprin, Thursdays from 6 to 7 and on demand at madcitysportszone.com.